Parenting your much-loved dog is a relationship like no other. Our dogs are individuals and there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to training. Hi, I'm Dr Holly Tett, professional dog trainer and clinical psychologist, and each week on Letters from Your Dog, we'll look at understanding specific dog training questions and struggles from your dog's point of view. Thanks for being here. Let's get to the episode. Hello there and welcome back to Letters from Your Dog. I'm Dr Holly Tett and we're on episode number 47. Um, I know we've been away for a few weeks so thank you so much for all your kind messages asking if everything is okay. Everything is okay now, thank you. I think sometimes life gets in the way as much as we might want it not to Um, and for me I always want to make sure I can give you the best quality episode with as much support and information as possible so I wanted to have the time to really do that properly. So with that in mind, today we're going to be talking about a topic, well I've called it scary or safe this episode and for me it honestly underpins absolutely everything when it comes to working with our dogs and also sharing a life with our dogs which is the position I think most of us are in. So there will be some of you who maybe have dogs that live outside or have certain responsibilities and maybe they aren't with you all the time if they're certain types of working dog. But most people, I think, do have dogs that are living in their home or at least on their property. So we're thinking about everything that underpins that relationship and that connection with your dog, which is what we're all looking for at the end of the day. So scary or safe, what do we mean by that? Well, often when we're working with dogs, and if you're listening to a dog training podcast, (laughs) you may have some specific behavioral challenges or difficulties that you're trying to overcome with your dog at the moment. And these might be um, things related to age. So perhaps if you've got an adolescent dog, you might have run into a few things that feel a bit tricky. <laughs> they might have feel like they have suddenly regressed and they are doing all these kinds of behaviours they did when they were four months old, like nipping, and you're thinking, what is happening here? <laughs> very, very normal. You may have a very young dog, so you may be dealing with some of those initial challenges that come with welcoming a very young dog or a new dog into your home. Or perhaps you have an adult dog or a young dog, doesn't really matter with a bit more of a, um, severe is a harsh word, but more of a serious behavioural difficulty, either something that's very ingrained that the dog's been doing for a really long time, maybe there's a problem in your way of relating to the dog, so you two just aren't connecting for some reason, or maybe you're dealing with something that has more of a clinical diagnosis, such as separation anxiety. There's lots and lots of different ways of looking at this. But the thing is that often we get really caught up in challenges, difficulties, things we want to resolve or things that we want to achieve, really caught up in the doing. What steps do I need to do? (laughs) What exercises do I need to do with my dog to fix this problem or to make things feel better? And that makes sense because in most areas of life, if we want something to change, then we need to do something, right? <laughs> so sitting around talking about it, as useful as that can be in the short term, you could talk about something for 10 years. But unless you do something to make a change, you're probably going to be in a similar position. That's certainly something that I've experienced in my own life, for sure. Um, but when it comes to dogs, we want to think about it slightly differently because this is actually if you think about the word relationship, 
relating. We are relating to another being that has their entire own emotional experience, cognitive experience, um, learning experience within their brain, all the things that they've learned so far in their life. And that stands for an eight-week-old puppy and an eight-year-old dog. It really doesn't matter when it comes to age. It's about the experiences that we've had because we each have thousands and thousands of experiences every single day. So if you think about yourself, in the course of a day, from getting up at, I don't know, 8am and going to bed at midnight, whatever, whatever your time scale is, your emotions will change throughout the day. They might be, you might not notice them so much. You might think, oh, I had a pretty average day. But chances are at some point in the day, you will have felt a little bit of frustration, irritation. You might have found something really funny. (laughs) You might have found something that made you go, oh, that was a nice thing that happened. And because they're all little micro experiences, they're not necessarily massive, great big things that are happening in life. We often they just kind of pass us by and we don't notice them. But every single animal and person is also having their own little micro experiences throughout the day. And the thing is, the more those experiences have a positive spin, the better you feel overall about your day. The more of those experiences that have a negative spin, the worse you feel. <laughs> so we've all had those days where we've come home, we're like, yeah, that was all right. That was okay. That was a, that was a nice day. A few nice things happened. Had a yummy lunch, had a chat with a colleague or went to meet a friend or whatever. That was a nice evening. And we've also all had those days where we come home and we're like, oh my god (laughs) what was that day that was ridiculous and again it may not have been that anything catastrophic happened but you might have just had a series of really annoying things that occurred throughout the day you think oh gosh like my car broke down I got a flat tire this happened to me the other day got a flat tire and then I managed to drive the car up the hill to the um breakdown place and it was closed because a holiday because it was a Monday bank holiday and I just thought okay this day's a (laughs) write-off so we've all had those experiences our dogs are exactly the same so our dogs are all kind of learning from the things that happen to them throughout the day throughout the week throughout the month and throughout longer periods as well so with that in mind what mammals tend to do is we tend to look at our overall experiences and we kind of top them up. (laughs) And we start to see the world as either a safe place. Generally, most things are okay. Things go wrong, but it's okay because I've got I've got a caregiver that can help me or a friend or someone that can help me in those difficult times. And most of the time, stuff's okay. I can manage. Or we see the world as scary actually most of the time stuff is not okay maybe I don't have someone to turn to for support when things feel bad maybe I feel really alone and really lonely and as we know as I've spoken about before on the podcast as mammals we tend to have what's known as a negativity bias so if we're a little unsure as to whether something is safe or scary we tend to opt for scary it's a survival mechanism it's better to be to err on the side of caution and think oh this could go a bit wrong and be prepared than go into something thinking everything's great and then we get whacked around the head with something either figuratively or or literally so dogs are the same they start to see the world as either a safe place or a scary place. So I'll give you some examples. Let's say you're walking along with your dog, walking on leash in a town centre and they see another dog across the street. Now, if your dog sees the world generally as a safe place, they might go, oh, wow, cool, look, a dog. I'd like to say hello to that dog. And they might try and go and say hi to them and you might let them or not. And so that dog's going, yeah, that's 
pretty safe place that I live in. There's a dog, that's nice. If your dog sees the world as a bit more scary, they might go, oh my God, a dog, a dog, a dog, that dog's going to attack me. I really don't feel good right now. I'm going to hide behind my mum or dad's legs or I'm going to bark and strain at my leash and try and get that dog to go away. So it's the exact same experience, but one dog is going to go, yeah, cool. And the other dog's going to go, absolutely not. (laughs) Same with taking your dog to see the vet, for example, or the groomer. Some dogs march in with their tail up like, hey, oh my gosh, hi. It's nice to see the receptionist. Would you like to stroke me? Wow, wonderful to meet you. Yes, I'll get on the scales, no problem. You want to give me an injection? You go for it. Wow, I'm getting loads of treats. This is fantastic. That's pretty safe. Your other dog is trying to pull out of their harness as soon as you get out of the car. They are whining, barking, crying. Maybe they're turning and trying to nip the vet. They're terrified of someone touching them. What are you going to do to me? You're going to put a thermometer up my bum. What's happening? This is really scary experience for me. So you can see how actually the situation, again, it hasn't changed. Nothing is any different except that the dog is seeing the situation as terrifying or this is a great day out wonderful (laughs) and I have both of those dogs in my house one dog that's like please don't make me go to the vet and the other that's like oh my gosh this is amazing (laughs) so in certain situations you may have a dog that generally sees the world as a pretty safe place but actually there's certain situations like that vet visit for example where it's categorically not safe or you might have a dog that actually generally sees the world as an unsafe place and so they're more likely to be a little bit worried by sudden noises by sudden things appearing by going to places they haven't been before and you see it to start to spread out a little bit so what can we do how can we make the world feel a little bit safer for our dogs well the thing is we cannot control the world unfortunately (laughs) and sometimes that's a good thing it's nice to be surprised sometimes right but ultimately you can't control what's going to happen out and about you can't control other people and their decisions other animals and their decisions there's so much that we can't control in our dog's lives sometimes we wish we could wrap them up in cotton wool and be like it's okay it's all safe but we can't do that so the one thing that we can control in this life is ourselves so we can control our reactions because if you have a dog that's kind of teetering and sometimes it feels safe and sometimes it doesn't they need you as their caregiver to be that safe place you have to be the one that steps in and says you know what whatever happens you can come back to me I'm I can be your safe place I'm never going to harm you I'm never going to cause you stress you can come to me now as we've spoken about before in the podcast it's not always easy (laughs) so there will be moments where you have human emotions and frustrations and you may not feel able to be a safe place for your dog but for the most part if that's what you can aim for that's the best that we can hope for so where this goes wrong is when we are a little bit confusing so sometimes we are safe happy joyful praising treats toys lovely kind mum or dad hi puppy oh it's so nice to see you you're so clever look at you that kind of thing and sometimes we are scary mum or dad get down now 
that's all it needs to be. It doesn't need to be big, you know, hitting your dog or throwing things at your dog or using shock collars or any of those scary things. It can be as simple as a tone. And people always say, oh, my dog knows when he's done wrong. Yeah, absolutely he does. He may not know what he's done wrong, but he knows that you're not happy. And that creates a sense of fear. It's fear and intimidation that is making the dog quote marks, air quote, behave in that situation. Um, So rather than resorting to the tone, (laughs) think about what you can do differently in that moment so that you can be safe rather than scary. So if it is that your dog keeps counter surfing and putting their paws up on the on the worktop and every time you turn your back they're up there again well unfortunately like it or not that is on you (laughs) to help your dog with that they're just doing they're just following their nose and being a dog so you need to think okay can I block them off from the kitchen with a baby gate can I teach them to sit on their bed when I'm cooking can I do some direct work of practicing them leaving the counters alone can I remove everything off the counter so there's no temptation this is just one example and those things aren't easy like life is busy sometimes you leave a gate open sometimes you turn your back and you haven't done enough practice but in those situations you just have to say to yourself yeah that was me (laughs) sorry sorry buddy that was me we haven't done enough practice you weren't ready for that situation yet so you always want to be the safe place for your dog the worst thing ever and I've done this with my dog before where I've raised my voice in frustration and I've seen my dog go kind of flinch not that I was anywhere near them I wasn't towering over them I didn't lift my hand up or anything like that but I saw that oh gosh moment and I felt horrendous and I didn't ever ever want to put my dog in that position again so the thing is the thing that's important to remember here it doesn't matter whether you are a real threat to your dog or not whether there's apps you can say to me holly there's no chance i will ever hit my dog or i will ever do anything to really frighten my dog that actually doesn't matter because it's not about your intention it's about how your dog perceives your action so if your dog hears that tone change and they go oh god this is scary The body has a response to that and the body gets ready to fight or flight. The body gets into that really anxious state. There's chemicals pumping and the dog's brain is learning to be fearful of you in that moment. And so that's why people say, oh, I only had to spray him in the face with a water bottle three times. And then all now all I have to do is pick the bottle up. Well, (laughs) that's not okay because what's happening every time you pick the bottle up is you're issuing a threat to your dog. You're saying, if you do that thing, if you start scratching my sofa, I'm going to spray you in the face and you don't like that do you and so that threat is creating that anxiety response and that physiological response within your dog's body the more times your dog feels that response the more their brain wires to mum or dad is scary and the world is scary and that's when you start to see some of these behavioral difficulties like we spoke about at the beginning and we get stuck into the I need to fix my dog's behavioral issues usually not actually your dog just needs to feel safe in their world so wherever you are at at the moment whether you've got a very fearful dog and I'm not saying it's your fault that you've got a fearful dog I'm not saying they're scared of you it's just that sometimes they are scared of us as well so please don't take it that way but whether you've got a very fearful dog or whether you've got a super confident dog right now it doesn't matter just think about the next time you're irritated annoyed (laughs) frustrated embarrassed whatever it might be Just take three seconds before you react, before you use the voice. (laughs) Take three seconds to pause, 
think, okay, I'm going to be a safe place. I'm going to do what I need to do to be a safe place. And that might mean walking away. That's okay as well. Taking those three seconds, the next 10 times you feel those emotions is going to significantly improve not only your current, but also your future connection and relationship with your dog. And that's what we're all looking for at the end of the day. And that connection and relationship is going to be what helps to resolve some of these behavioral difficulties that you might be having anyway. (laughs) So rather than focusing on what training techniques do I need to do, there is a place for that, of course. But the first thing you've got to do is make that dog feel safe in their world. Okay, I hope that was helpful. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Hi, would you like some more support with your dog, whether it's training or building a stronger connection together? If so, do feel welcome to contact me. You can join the free Facebook group, Kindness is Essential, Not Optional Dog Training Support, or drop us an email to info at pauseupdogs.com. All the links are in the show notes. Take care.